1: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Ozzaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And we continue in this series with a look at the life of Joshua called When God Calls You. Life is filled with crossroads and dead ends. Joshua is the model of how God uses obstacles to reveal himself in powerful ways. So what's your story? The story God is scripting for your life. That is, if you answer his call. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available all for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do so right there at reallife.org. Pastor Sean is now in Joshua chapter 3. The message today is called Faith Stories. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
2: This series is called Joshua, When God Calls You, because at some point every one of us are going to understand God's called us. It's not if. It's not like God's called some people and the rest of us kind of coast and and hope he saves us. No, he's called each of us. He he created us. He redeemed us through Jesus Christ's work on the cross. And he has a call for our life. He wants to do amazing things in and through us. And so we started out this idea where, where Joshua gets like a really hardcore call. Okay, Moses is dead and now I'm going to use you. And he has to be the successor to one of the great figures in history. And the powerful message was, yeah, Moses may be dead, but our God is alive and well. And we looked at how, in some ways, in the church in America, all of us kind of have recognized things have changed. Things have changed in our culture. Things have changed in people's perspective towards the church. And a lot of us can sit and waste a lot of time kind of just pining away for the past and just reminiscing about the good old days when people liked Christians And we all know that's been a very unusual, our little slice of history has been very unusual in world history when it comes to the church. And now we're in a different day and age. And some of us are going, oh, for the days of Moses. And the message is Moses may be dead and gone, but our God is alive and well. And he wants to do a new thing. And he wants to use us. And it's going to be exciting. And the church is going to continue on. The church is going to prosper and flourish if we will say, Lord, use us, use us last week we talked about the goal is not just to leave egypt the goal is to live in the promised land the land of promise we saw how sometimes we get caught up in this thing in our own faith of well just you know i want to be forgiven of my sin and i want to you know get to heaven but we don't understand no god that promised land is a beautiful metaphor for the land he wants us to live in in fact in the book of hebrews he talked about this place of rest this place of peace in him And it's not a place we're just supposed to visit, it's where we're supposed to live. The goal isn't just to leave Egypt, the goal is to live in the promised land. This morning we're going to be in Joshua chapter 3, why don't you turn there, Joshua 3, in fact I'm going to read you the whole chapter, it's a very short chapter, and we're going to see how the people actually enter the land and God does something pretty amazing. Joshua chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. It says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from, it's actually pronounced Shittim. I've been weird on the word the whole time because you know, (laughs) (laughs) because Dino's up here making fun, so (laughs) Israelites set out from Shittim and they went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. Here's the orders. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you're to move out from your positions and follow it. You remember the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of the Lord. It was that symbol. We understand God's omnipresent, right? He's everywhere. But the Ark, in a unique way, God chose a specific unique manifestation of his presence that the Ark represented. So it was serious. So they said, when you see it, you're to move and follow it. Then you'll know which way to go, note this phrase, since you've never been this way before. Just make note of that. We'll we'll talk about that in a little bit, but that's an interesting idea. You'll know the way to go since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. The ark represented the holy presence of God, and it was never to be handled lightly. A couple times in Scripture, people did get a little careless around the ark of the covenant, and they paid the ultimate price for it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. He said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so that they may know that I'm with you as I was with Moses. Interesting, remember in chapter 1 he said, this is what I'm going to do. Well, what we're going to read today is when he actually did it. When it became solidified in the people's minds, Oh, my gosh, God is with us. He's with Joshua. Joshua is God's man, and we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you'll know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. Make note of that. They don't tell you what they're going to do now, but before we're done today, we'll know what they do. As soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So, when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now, the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest, which is the time of year that they went. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethon, which is interesting because, you know, that day they didn't know this. They found this out later because all they knew is the water stopped. It's at flood stage and it stopped. Later on they found out this is how God did it. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. While all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Can you imagine that? What must that have been like? One of the disadvantages, if you're, if you're here and you don't know this story or you don't know the Bible stories, maybe you didn't grow up in church, I just want to say you have a certain advantage because those of us who grew up in church, I grew up in church, right? I grew up on this stuff. So I can still see the flannel board figures, okay? And some of you are so young, you have no idea what I mean when I say flannel board. It's okay. Just, just know. It's like video prehistoric, okay? It was what we got when we were kids, Okay. They threw us in there with a couple of saltine crackers and a flannel board. That's all we got. So, okay? It was hard where I grew up. But I remember the story. I've, I've heard the stories. And I can get Bible lenses on to where I look at everything and, oh, how nice. Yes, that's what the Lord did. Of course he did. And I can miss what they must have experienced. Because imagine what they experienced. The priests are there with the Ark of the Covenant. So holy, you, you didn't get near it. But yet they stand in the middle and the waters are held back and all the people go across, I can imagine how powerful it was. As the waters held back, I can imagine it's kind of sobering just to see the power of God displayed like that. It's awesome. But I also imagine that they began to, if they hadn't already, had a familiar feeling, almost like deja vu. You know, we're like, wait a minute, I, I, I read this one before. I, have we seen this movie? Have, didn't we didn't we read this before? I mean, that deja vu feeling, like, wait a minute, this is familiar and be like, oh yeah, this is like the Red Sea, because here's what you got to understand. Everybody, everybody, everybody who was 40 and under was not born yet when they crossed the Red Sea, okay? Because the whole generation spent 40 years in the wilderness and died. So of the people who had been there, they were all children. Only children at the time of the Red Sea, small children, were still alive because that whole generation died in the wilderness. Then, So anybody 40 and under wasn't even born when that happened. So this was a story to them. Maybe some of the people who were older had these pictures and remembrances of something, but they'd all heard the stories. To them, it was at best a memory for some, and others, just a story they'd heard until right now, until today. See, this was their Red Sea, and they would have seen that. They would have said, oh my gosh, God's doing it for us. Is a powerful parallel miracle. It's as if God is saying, I'm the same God that brought Moses and the people out of Egypt. And I'm still here with you today. And I'm the God who's bringing you into the land of promise. And what's interesting is this wasn't just a message of I'm with you to Joshua. This was very public. Wasn't just God speaking to Joshua, says I'm with you like I was with Moses. Now all the people saw. He showed them, I'm with you Just like I was with Moses and the generation that came out. And I find this just a fascinating thing because these two miracles, the Red Sea and the Jordan River, they stand as like bookend miracles to their time in the wilderness. See, that was the difference between the first generation and this generation. first generation could not bring themselves to believe the word of the Lord, and so they perished in the wilderness. This generation grew up and learned the lessons of the wilderness. They learned to depend on the Lord. They learned to follow the Lord. And so they trusted him. Now they're actually in the land of promise. It was a powerful miracle. I think this is relevant for us because we've all heard stories of miraculous things, of God's power on behalf of someone else. And, and we live in a world that, that is very skeptical, and, and we struggle with this. We struggle with skepticism. We struggle with belief. We struggle with all this. We, we read what the scriptures say, and then we kind of have an experience, and it's like, okay, sometimes they don't match. And we hear stories from other people. I remember missionaries would come into the church that I grew up in as a kid, and they would tell these stories of God's power, people miraculously healed, of needs miraculously met, people raised from the dead, stuff that you read about in the scriptures. And I remember they would tell these stories, and I would just, I would just be caught up in them, and, and I had two very strong reactions. The first was, man, that's exactly what we read about in the scripture. God, that's your power. That's awesome. That's the kind of stuff I believe God can do. And the second reaction, though, was kind of like, well, but Lord, if you can do it for them, what about us? What about us? You know, I'd read great biographies. We read the biography early in the development of this ministry. I had our ministry team read Rhys Howells, intercessor. Mr. Reese Howells was a Welsh revivalist, and just God did some crazy, miraculous stuff to him. George Mueller. His work where he never told anybody the needs that he had. God told him, don't tell anybody. Bring your needs to me, and I'll meet your needs. And God literally put through this guy who never raised money, didn't have money, had millions of dollars go through his hands in the service of orphans and setting up of orphanages. Crazy, miraculous, powerful stuff. And something in us says, God, I want that. I want that. I want to see your power. I want to suggest I I believe God wants to display his power in our day and age. I believe it's who he is. I believe the scripture says it. It doesn't say it's going to stop. It doesn't say God's power is going to stop being real. God's power is going to stop acting. I believe God's design is to display his power and his glory in the lives and through the lives of his people in fact the scripture says it multiple times it's not even really a close call this psalm 77 13 14 your ways god are holy what god is as great as our god you are the god who performs miracles you display your power among the peoples it's not like that's just something he does it's who he is he is powerful and he shows his glory
1: and this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called Faith Stories, in the series Joshua, When God Calls You, which is available right now on the sermons page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
2: Luke one thirty seven. I love this passage. For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing. No situation you're facing, no situation I'm facing. No financial need. No relational issue. No problem. Nothing will be impossible with God. And then Ephesians 3.20, great passage. Now to him. this Look at the description of God. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. That's our God. I think God wants to do amazing things. And it's wonderful to hear what God has done in other people. It's wonderful to hear stories. But if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Here's the main point. Other people's stories are great, but God wants to give you faith stories of your own. Other people's stories are great, and they are. They're an encouragement. I'm grateful for them. But you cannot live off of other people's stories, okay? It's not enough. At some point, we have to recognize God wants to give you and I faith stories. God wants to do things in your life, in my life, that cause us to say, man, let me tell you about my God. And people go, oh, it's not real, God's not real, I can't see him, I can't prove him. (laughs) Once you've seen the power of God, you become immune to that kind of thing. Yeah, well, whatever, let me tell you what I've seen. You're telling me what you think, I'll tell you what I've seen. I'll tell you what I've experienced. Let me tell you what God has actually done. Other people's stories are great, but God wants to give you faith stories of your own. And when he does, it's a powerful thing. Now I think in this passage there's a couple of key ideas that can help us be in that place where we can experience the faith kind of stories that God wants to give us. We put ourselves in the place to let God move. Put ourselves in the place to be a part of what he's doing. A couple observations. Number one, see where God is moving and follow him. You want you want real faith stories? You want to really experience the power of God? See where God is moving and follow him. Our uh, Verse 3 talks about the Ark of the Covenant and follow it when it heads out. It represents the presence of the Lord. Let me just tell you, that's just great advice. And these people were used to that. They had followed the cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. See where God is going and follow him. That is just great advice. Let me tell you, if God's going, I'm going to go. If he's not going, I'm not going to go. Some of you probably have taken the, the, done the Bible study, Experiencing God. Well, this was one of those concepts that Henry Black brought up and a lot of people have talked about. This idea, don't sit and just kind of try to, try to say, here's my plan, God, I hope you'll bless it. Look for what God is doing instead and get on board with what he's doing. It makes perfect sense, but it is not the way we're wired and not the way we typically do things. We want God to bless our plan. Even in ministry, we think, oh, God's called me to, to plan a church. Okay, well, here's what I got to do. I got to get some key people. I got to raise some funds. I've got to kind of promote. I've got to market. And then I've got, this is how you do it. And early on in the development of this ministry, God said, no, no, no. I, I, don't, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to go work your plan and then hope I'll bless it. I want you to see what I'm doing and follow me. And let me just say, a whole lot of the time he asks us to do things in the exact opposite way of the way everybody told us it should be done. And and he did that for a reason. In fact, he gave us a set of ministry principles to walk by. And I've shared with you before, they felt restrictive at first. Almost like our hands were tied. And to the extent that they prohibited us from stepping out in the flesh, they kind of were. That was the intention of these principles. They were biblical. And God just said, I want you to operate differently because I want you to see my power. I want you to operate in my power, my glory, and not in just what you can do. One of those principles was this idea that God wanted us to focus on building his kingdom and let him build our ministry. Don't worry so much about building your ministry. Build my kingdom, says the Lord, and I'll build your ministry. And so he asked us to put that to the test a number of different ways. And one of the early things that happened is we were part of a a ministry. We actually had a ministry down in Victoria Court's housing project. And I remember we were having a, uh, we wanted to have a Christmas party for the kids because we were doing kids' ministry and it was one of the ways we were meeting families and cool stuff was happening. We were going to have this little Christmas party. And the, the housing authority said, sure, you can use the room, you can have a Christmas party, it's great. And we were thinking we'd have 20 some odd kids. They said, oh yeah, you'll probably have that. The, the one issue is we have a, the residents' association has a Christmas party scheduled for that day. And they've got their own thing that they're going to be doing. And at first we're kind of disappointed, like, oh man, you know. Going to be competing with that thing, and we don't know what they've got planned and all that. You know, we're, I guess we'll be happy with 20 or so kids. And as we stopped and thought and prayed about it, it was like the Lord said, No, no, this is what I'm talking about. I don't want you to go work your plan and ask me to bless it. See what I'm doing and get involved. He said, I want you to go and I want you to support what these guys are doing, what the residents' association was doing. Well, it wasn't a Christian group, wasn't a Christian thing, wasn't anything. And we're like, Oh, but God, we want to minister, we want to do all this stuff. God's like, Just trust me. Just go and offer to help them instead of having your event. And so we did. Well, we come to find out they had nothing planned. They asked us, will you plan the day? <laughs> Why, yes, we will. Seriously, we got to do whatever we wanted. We got to share the Christmas story. We got to sing Christmas carols. One of our guys got some comic books donated, I mean, some coloring books donated, and we got to give them to the kids. Santa Claus was there. Uh, it was just this, and, and there were like hundreds, like 500 kids there and their families. It was a huge coming out party for our ministry. We got to meet most of the residents, or at least everybody who had kids. There were tons of people there. And so it's sounds like the Lord is going, see. <laughs> Just this idea, see what God's doing. See what God's doing and get on board. Look and see where he's going. At that verse four, remember what it said? It said, follow, because follow the ark and you'll know which way to go. Remember? because since you've never been this way before, that's what's interesting about seeing where God is moving and following him. He's often going to lead you, in fact, most often going to lead you in ways that you haven't been before. Because the ways we would typically go are flesh-driven. And the way he leads is going to be often completely in the opposite direction of where others would go or where we would go or where we've been trained to go. Expect God to lead you into uncharted territory. Expect him to put you in a place where you have to depend on him. We have to follow him. See where God is moving and follow him. It's the beginning of him working and experiencing great faith stories. Because bottom line, other people's stories are great. But God wants to give you faith stories of your own. A second thing that he had them do is prepare for the presence. He had them prepare for the presence. That's what verse 5 is talking about when it says, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. I'm going to do great things among you. Consecrate. Another translation says, Sanctify yourself. Consecrate, sanctify The idea is both of these are talking about being set apart, being set apart for his purpose. It speaks of a purity, a purity of heart, a purity of purpose, a purity of vision. It is about being about his things rather than kind of just asking him to fit into the corners and the edges of our lives. So often we say, God, you know, I I don't want to go to hell. I want salvation, of course. But God, I want to do my career the way I want to do it. God, I want to raise my family the way I want to do it. I want to build my home the way I want to build it. I want to do the things I do the way I want to do it. And I just want you to fit in these couple areas over here, God. That's not God, okay? That's like, you need to look up the word God, okay? That's like genie in a bottle. God, I want you over in these little corners, and then I want to pull you out when I need you and have you do what I want you to do. And then I want to put you back in the box, It's like, yeah, you you obviously don't know what God means. Because he's God. And what Joshua told the people, what they prepared the people for, is you need to prepare yourself. If you want to really experience the presence of God, you need to set yourself apart for his purpose. You need to let his spirit sanctify you. See, that's what the spirit does. It kind of cleans out all the old and builds up the new, builds God's presence, builds the character of Jesus. Look at the fruit of the Spirit. Those are the things that happen as part of this consecration, sanctifying process. You can't say, God, I want to lead my own life. Because understand, salvation in and of its very essence is saying, I was leading my own life. That's sin. Sin hurt me. It hurt God and everyone else. And I want to turn from it. That's what repentance means. So repentance is fundamentally that act of consecration saying, God, I want your way. It's the first step. I want your way, and I want to follow you, God. I want to be your man. Prepare ourselves. Prepare ourselves. You see, you're not going to experience the power of God by just living life however you want and then trying to pull them out of the, pull them out of the box and say, God, do your stuff. It doesn't work like that. In fact, in the New Testament, we're given a kind of a picture. This is the New Testament version of that. Paul writes in Romans 12... It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. That's, the, that's consecration. We're alive. We're not, he's not taking our lives, but he's saying, yeah, my life is a sacrifice for him. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy, there's that, because holiness and consecration, like they go together. Holy means being set apart purely for God's purpose. Holy and pleasing to God. Living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is such a powerful idea.
1: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Faith Stories, in the series Joshua, When God Calls You, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.
0: Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.